This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. I'm going to talk about the testimony of Jesus and your testimony. And even as tonight, as we're baptizing people, you know, um, the church is moving away from superstars and super churches and super stuff. Because you can have 10,000 people in the church, but there's no depth, there's no discipleship, there's not people encountering God. So sitting in a service like this or one of the nine services is not going to change your life if Christianity is event-orientated or you just go because there's nice worship or nice chicks, nice dudes or... You begin to realize that God has called you, not just the pastor standing in front or the head usher or the cool people to be spiritual. He's called every one of us to bring our giftings. It's called the priesthood of the believers. My function as a pastor is simply to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I'm not supposed to do the ministry. You guys are. You ladies are supposed to stand up and change the world for Christ. And so it's so important when we talk about these things that you realize that there's a testimony. And the first testimony that your testimony must link to is the testimony of Jesus. You know, without, you know, some people say, oh, yeah, I've been so great. I've been this, I've been that. And then, oh, yeah, sort of Jesus said. very clear that if you have the testimony of Christ in your life, then you were not a nice person becoming a good person or a better person when you met Jesus. If you understand the gospel, you were dead in your sins. Dead. Dead, deader, deadster. Ultimately, completely dead. The wages of sin is death. And so Jesus doesn't come into our lives to fix our lives, to panel beat our lives, and to make you a better person so you can be happy ever after. You were dead spiritually. And when Jesus walks into your life, into my life, do you know what? He makes you alive. It's a resurrection. It's the greatest miracle is for somebody to enter into eternity. Can I get an amen? Okay. That's a miracle. And so uh, we just privileged, I must be very honest with you, the last six weeks we've seen people getting saved from the weirdest places and uh, just the Lord is awakening a lot of people in our midst. We are just baptizing people. People are getting saved. People are getting dreams and visions uh, like we haven't seen in the last 20 years, just here with us in the church. Uh, I think it's probably because a lot of people have started to pray. A lot of people are just desperate for Jesus. So the two biggest question is in this world is who am I and why am I here? I think if we all know the answer to that, there would be no trouble in the world because people won't do stuff for God or try and be successful in the world. But if you know who you are and why you are here, then I think we will, there will be a lot of things we won't do. Uh, we'll probably spend more time with God than trying to run in, uh, through this rat race. But if you can answer those questions, what is my identity? Who am I? It's only God that can determine that identity in your life. And then the second thing, why am I here? Why did he place me here? So the past couple of weeks, we've been speaking about being missional in your life. You are here on a mission in this world. You're not just trying to have a nice marriage, trying to have kids, raise them, and, and, and be a nice person. You're on a mission, and this mission doesn't end in this life. This is only the start. 
There's a mission why God has called us to be here, for you to live here in Stellenbosch, for you to work here, to be married here, or whatever God has called you to be here, not just to study and get a degree. It's to be a Christian and to live in that space of the freedom of God. So there's a group of people called the disciples of Jesus in Acts chapter 4, verse 33, it says, And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. The disciples had a testimony, and that testimony was the testimony of Christ. And so part of your life, part of your testimony, is that you have connected with the one, Jesus himself. If you have not had an encounter with Jesus in your life, you most probably have not met Jesus. You most probably just grew up in a religious environment or jump up and down. You can sing all the nice songs, but encountered him. He does something in your life. The man with fire in his eyes. And he's here tonight to change your life, to change my life. We're not just here to play church, church. It's his church. It's his life. And even some of you, if you have a need, right where you're sitting, cry out to him. He will heal you. He'll deliver you without even somebody praying for you. Because that's just who he is. But Christians are called little Christ, little ones running with the testimony of God. At the center of our life is the gospel and a Christ-centered life. We're not here to do miracles. We're not here to do build churches or plant churches because you are not going to stand one day in front of Jesus and then there's going to be orange flags waving. Orange flags and sorry, I am not going to be there. Your wife is not going to be there. Your children is not going to be there. You are going to stand in front and give an account of your life. And so part of your testimony is what Christ has done, making a dead person alive. <laughs> I, I want to say it 20 times because I think sometimes people think like, yo, you know, if I only had a testimony like Gabriel or, or um, like Alvain who's sharing, you know, the guy in the wheelchair who's sharing it at the other service, if I can only have a testimony, then it's powerful. Every person who Jesus, your testimony is powerful. Because you were dead and he made you alive. If you have not experienced that tonight, you need to start. You're going to start right here. So that's the testimony. The two things that will sort of overcome. At the end, you know, it's always great about the Bible. We can hear and read the end of the story. It's called the book of Revelations. <laughs> In Revelations, 9, Revelations 12, 11, it says, And they overcame, that's the Christians, the believers, by the blood of the Lamb, and the word of their testimony, and not loving their lives even unto death. There were two things that made these people overcome. The first one was the word of their testimony. Connected to the testimony of the blood of the Lamb of Jesus. Founded by something, a motivation not to love their lives. Their focus was, I'm not going to love my life. And so the crazy part, you know, the Bible talks about this so often. It talks about if people lay down their lives for Jesus, they're called martyrs, physically I'm talking about now, then the Bible says the blood of the martyrs cry out in the heavenlies. The martyrs, the people that die for Jesus, they are going to sit right in front. They're going to get a special reward in heaven. 
But you know, the blood of Jesus also has a testimony in the heavenlies. So I'm going to get it a bit spiritual with you. Hebrews says that Jesus took his own blood and he sprinkled it on the mercy seat when he went back into heaven. So even today, when you and I mention the name of Jesus, there's a testimony. There's something that happens when that name is mentioned. It's coupled to the blood of Jesus because life is in the blood. And so that blood is so powerful. That's what we scientists today when they study the blood, you know, we have a, a big, uh, one of the top cancer doctors here with us in church, a very spiritual guy in South Africa, even in the world, you know. And so he, he talks about the research on the blood, and it is profound. It is amazing how much life is actually physically in your blood. But there's a spiritual life in that blood and in the blood of Jesus because it talks about redemption. It talks about forgiveness. It talks about the freedom to stand before him. Hebrews 10 verse 19 says, we have a new living way to walk to God, to go to God boldly by the blood of Jesus. And so there's a testimony in your life and that testimony is because you've been washed by the blood. You've been cleansed by what Jesus has done. Not your own righteousness, but his righteousness. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, not your righteousness, but his righteousness. Great. So, so, so a lot of people don't understand this, but when I come to God, I can't, can't come because I'm a nice person, because I'm good, but simply because, hey, he has a testimony, and my testimony connects with him. My life story, the Hebrew says that he's the author and the finisher of your faith. He's written a book, and you can read that book and say, wow part of that. I want to be part of his life, and the people getting baptized tonight also says that, hey, I'm, I'm in this journey. I'm stepping in in obedience, because that's what baptism is to the story of Christ. He got baptized, and so scripture says, don't pray about being baptized. It says, be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Do you know it's amazing? There's not the 10 suggestions in scripture. People want to pray about being baptized. Repent and be baptized. It's a command. Did you know that? A lot of people don't know Jesus sometimes speak in command form. So he'll say something and then he'll start walking. And then you and I have a choice to follow. He's not sentimental about his purposes and his kingdom. Did you know that? Jesus will not beg you to be part of his kingdom or me to be part of his kingdom. He invites us. He says, hey, you can be part of that. But Jesus will do it with or without me and with or without you. He said, hey, if you're going to keep quiet, the rocks are going to cry out. <laughs> They're going to praise. <laughs> I don't want to compete with any rocks. Anyone else like that? Just wave your hand and say, no, I'm going to shout. Even if I can't really praise or worship, I'm going to shout, Jesus! You know, just do it sometimes, okay? I woke up 30 people. Okay, but great stuff. So. You see, there's a testimony of Jesus. Listen to this in Revelation chapter 19. This is an encounter with John. John, they try to kill him. They try to burn him in oil. Then they banned him to Patmos, an island, because and there he got the revelation of Jesus. That's where the book of Revelation was written. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah! For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. It's an exclamation mark. So, so we can't read scripture. I don't know why people say like, 
Hallelujah. For the Lord God Almighty, my reigns. As, as if there's not two exclamation marks. Did you read that? Hallelujah! Something like that. I can just think it's like a million people. The sound of many thunder. Have you heard any Gauteng people here? You know, we in the Cape, we have got no idea what a thunderstorm is like, you know. Have you seen the KPs when they come up there? And that first thunderstorm, everybody goes like, what was that? You know, and then it's a light little thunder. It's like a blitz. It just goes like, jits. And then the Gautengi people sit there. The Cape people all dive, you know. They think like, what is this? You know, it's, Lord, speak to me. Samuel, the prophet, what is happening, you know? It's just crazy. We're, we're not used to thunderstorms down here. But it says they're like mighty thunderings. Woo. Okay, hallelujah for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. That was a good place to say amen to scriptures. And just, I'm like, no, could just, just come. Okay, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. That's what we sang tonight. Every time you come together, every time you pray, every time you read scripture, every time you prepare your heart, the wife is making herself ready. Now I've got all the ladies' attention and all the guys are like, well, okay, move on, verse 8. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in the fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And then he said to me, right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, see that you do not hear, see, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Say the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. Isn't it amazing, those two names given to Jesus? The one who is faithful and true. The two greatest onslaughts on Christ today is whether he's faithful and what is truth. I want to tell you he is. He is faithful. He is a rock. He doesn't change. He doesn't waver. He is faithful even when you are unfaithful. And that is so crazy. I remember a guy who was a pastor today in, I won't tell you where, but they do outreaches in Afghanistan. They go to Afghanistan they're being shot at because they're flying these little planes, go into Afghanistan, uh, one of the, I think the second, the highest persecuted country in the world. Do you know that every hour, 20 people die for their faith in Jesus Christ? Every hour, 20 of your brothers and sisters lay down their life for the sake of the gospel. What is the gospel costing you? What is it costing me? But said so they go in and this guy was here with us in church. He was his own leader. And for two years, the Lord told him he didn't have a lot of money to study. He barely made his studies. And for two years, he was in Metan. He only told me this testimony very later, about four years ago, when I met up with him again. He said to me, do you know what? Every day, I barely had food to eat. I was going hungry. And the Lord told me, don't go ask any people in church for money, for food, for anything like that. And I didn't understand, but all I knew was God gave me a vision to go to Afghanistan. 
And later I found out. Sorry, I get a bit emotional. I found out that Afghanistan has the most malnourished children in the world. And the Lord said to me, I want to teach you what it means to be hungry. Because how can you minister to people if you're not hungry yourself? Today he's changing the world and he's raising up kids in Afghanistan. Flying in in little planes, being shot at every week when they fly. And they say, Jesus, give me those kids. You see, that's what the testimony of Jesus does. And he was sitting here in Metanoia Corsas. Going hungry, but he said, Lord, doesn't matter what it costs me. I want to know your will. You see, that's not a happy gospel. Convenient gospel because, hey, Jesus doesn't make me like go hungry sometimes. Because isn't Jesus just here for my happiness? There's one who's faithful and true. And see, what is your testimony? God wants to give you a testimony. God wants to raise up a story through your life. Is it going to be easy? No, they did not love their lives even unto you see, the modern-day gospel, that in. The modern-day gospel says, hey, Jesus, prosper me. Give me life now. I want it, and I want it now. <laughs> and then you think like, whoa. Do you think thing that you cannot do? I think you can. Because he'll do it through you. <laughs> You see, we want to live in a space of convenience, comfort, safety, and security. I said it last week or the week before. Up sometimes and say, hey, no, 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 just be safe. Don't make a mistake. Get your investments right. Just like this is the place to go. And we teach our children to be safe and secure and comfortable. And like, hey, hey, don't climb the tree. You may fall. No, 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 be careful how you go over the road. I'll rather go drop you at school. You can't go with your own bicycle to school. You know, and, and, and so we, we are helicopter parenting our children. And then we worry, wonder why people are in, feel entitled. Because many of our homes, which are Christian homes, there are Christians living in that home, but it's not a Christian home. Because a Christian home is centered around the needs of Christ and the glory of Christ and the kingdom of God, not centered around the parents or the children. So many of us were Christians growing up in a home, but we didn't have a Christian home. Because we make ourselves feel more welcome in the home than the presence of God. I remember walking into Iran in a little home, being under, closing up the stuff for seven days, sitting there thinking like we're going to do anything for the church in Iran. But as we were saying there, the Lord said to, to us, do you know what? It's not your prayers that's going to change this nation. It's your tears. There was a lady that didn't understand English. She was sitting in the corner in the kitchen. She was fasting for 21 days to get baptized. Just not like, not like a Uber Eats um, water. 21 days for the privilege to get baptized. She didn't understand a word of English, and we started worshiping 
in English, but she would sit there in the kitchen and just start to weep because just to be around other believers and to have the presence of God in her life was the most amazing thing. She would just weep, weep. And so here we go, the first day that we, now we locked down into this little house at the bottom because of all the security and all the things and the churches can't gather like here. So he's sitting there and I'll never forget it. So we're a bunch of guys, we're all macho. You know how guys have the, like this ego, you know? And uh, there's this one guy that went with him. And so now we have this word, the Lord. Pray with your tears, not with your words. Is everything like, oh, that sounds cool, you know? And as we're in that house, the second song, this one guy that was never cried, never, even if he had hay fever, he would not show that. You know, you know how we sometimes cry with a little bit of hay fever. <laughs> oh, the hay fever is big. Yeah, you know, the guys, you know, we're macho. And the next moment, this guy, this macho guy, in the second song, begins to weep. But not like, <laughs> he goes like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and we sit there and we think like, <laughs> and so, so now we're thinking like, this is quite awkward, you know. <laughs> and then the guy begins to weep, and then the next guy begins to weep. Eventually, all 14 of us like weeping, you know. <laughs> three hours later, we're just lying there, you know. For three days, we're like zombies. We're just like every bit of water in our body left us, you know. There was like puddles of water all over the place, you know. And the Lord says, I'm going to, I want to have your heart. Because it's easy to follow Jesus from a distance until you engage your heart, until you begin to love like Jesus loved. He was stirred in a place. And then he says, when he saw them as sheep without a shepherd, he was moved by compassion and then he healed them all. I like old King James. Jesus wept so uncontrollably that it hurt him so much emotionally. Now, the ladies, some of you will understand this. Guys, just like, hey, we, we weep a little bit, but not so much. I'm not talking about weeping tonight. I'm talking about your heart. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, why are you smiling like that? Cool, we're going to pick up some speed so that we can baptize people. So it says the spirit of prophecy. So this John, John is so confused in heaven. He sees the angel. And I think John was just good at it. He just decided, well, whatever, I'm going to just fall flat, you know. <laughs> this is just so amazing, this encounter. So every time John would just fall, bah, you know, and stand up, bah, again, you know. So he was good at practicing. So that's why it's good to be on your knees because you can't fall so far when you're on your knees. Would you agree? Okay. You can't hurt yourself when you're on your knees. So stay on your knees, you yeah? But here it is, of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You know, we, we want to we say, oh, yeah, this guy prophesied over me and told me my fear. But at the center of prophecy in the fullness of God is the testimony of Christ. Where people begin to encounter him through your life. Do you know there's nothing like a silent Christian. Christian there doesn't, they, something like that does not, un, it doesn't, you don't read it in scripture. He says, not witnessing, you're going to be my witness. And so lots of people say, oh, you know, St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. 
But that's not entirely biblical. There's no silence in Christianity. Worship God. Share that testimony of Christ and then you share the testimony of what God has done in your life. Brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Go back. Where are we now? Yeah. No, no, no. Go, go. That's the right one. See the next one. Next one. Then he said, right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. No, no, we, we're missing it. Next one, next one, verse 10. He says, I'm your fellow servant and your brethren who have what? The destiny of Jesus. If you're a Christian in your life, you carry the destiny of Christ. And what is the response? When you have the testimony of Jesus, worship God. Because <laughs> every time you worship, every, something changes around you. It's not just nice songs we sing. It's not just nice stuff. But, you know, I'm scared for the church in the West because most sermons are just around encouragement or around finding your happy place, your seven best steps to be a good Christian. But how many of you have heard a, a sermon in the last while on the blood of Jesus? See, we, we, we don't know those basics of Christianity anymore. Because we've become just like the world. We want to be entertained. And here this guy says, hey, John, you don't even see who I am. I'm not, I'm not God. I'm just another angel. I'm also one of your brethren. Worship God. Because every time you worship him. But it's not a worship with like, oh, I feel so good. He loves me. Worship is, you and I are not at the center of worship. One of the words for worship is proskuneo, which means to come towards to kiss. To come towards to surrender. To come towards to give everything. Because once you realize I have the testimony of Christ, something begins to happen. Your whole life becomes prophetic. Everything you do is I'm making a statement for Jesus. I'm declaring that testimony because I've been washed by the blood. I'm cleansed. I'm forgiven. I've been set free. Because there's one who is faithful and true. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, why are you still smiling like that? We're almost finished. Okay, last two slides. I'm going to just give you the scripture. So what is one of the most amazing things in... Um, Part of that testimony is the fact that Christ comes to live in you. Colossians 1 verse 27. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Say, so Christ in me, the hope of glory. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. So he says, because of this, what, what happens when Jesus lives inside of you? There's a hope of glory. It's a mystery. Every other religion is about doing stuff on the outside. Christianity is about inviting God into the inside. And then he lives out of that space. So there's a hope of glory. And he says, him we preach. And part of that preaching is warning every man and woman and teaching every man in all wisdom of Christ that we may present Every man perfect in Christ. 
To this end I labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. He says there's a mighty work inside of me. And my, my goal, he says, Colossian church, is that you can be presented to Christ. That you can live in. There's a freedom, there's a hope of glory. The world is looking for hope. And there's an anchor for our souls. It's the hope inside of us. Christians have hope. Why? Because they have an eternal focus. If you don't have eternal focus, you will have no hope. And then the amazing thing, Matthew 1, 24, then Joseph being aroused from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And look what Lord, the Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Not just have we got a hope in us, but the fact that Christ is with us. That is the thing. We're going to Rwanda in 1998, the genocide. The Lord says, hey, go there. So here we are, we are a bunch of students, and the Lord says, through your prayers, the nation is going to change. So we go up to Rwanda. We get shocked out of our system. We get there. There are halls like this full of corpses because of almost a million people that got slaughtered to death. So we're shocked. We, we didn't expect it at all. There's a lot of corpses lying around still, and People are beginning to clean it and all that stuff. We go into places and pray and all that stuff. And our hearts begin to break because they say, like, how can humanity be so deprived from just basic respect, basic life? And so we're praying in different places and we thought, okay, that's it. At the end, make a long story short, we're sitting on the border to the Congo. The airplanes fly over, drop bombs in the Congo. The guerrillas are fighting. So now we are running for our lives. And the Lord says that morning, we're in the most terrible time. The next day or two days later, we need to fly out again from Kigali. Make a long story short, the Lord says in our prayer, you're going to pray in the parliament buildings. And so we think like, what? What? <laughs> yeah, um, it can't be, but three, three witnesses confirmed it. Make a long story short, here we drive. Now we drive up to the parliament buildings. We just go up. It's on the hill there. There's still this massive big hole in the wall. Yeah. We drive up and see the guy next to me. We're just driving and he says, what must we do? I said, just drive. Now all the army are there. The people vacated the place because basically war broke out again. And um, so I just say like, he says, what must we do? I said, just keep on driving. Pretend as if you should be here because the Lord said we must be here. Yeah? <laughs> so you get up to these main gates. The army guys walk in and they just open up the gates. They don't ask us if, you know, I'm thinking in my head, you know, there's a lot of students here at the back. At least if they shoot me first, then I'm dead. And I don't need to explain to all the parents what just happened, you know. But I am sweating blood, you know, because I haven't got no clue. Eventually, we drive up, stop there and top. Here comes this guy walking out with a suit. And he says, hey, what do you guys want to do? I said, what, you know. We just you pray, you know. So long story short, we walk through, pray, buildings, go over the the main area where all the ministers are, there's a guy, Dr. Elton Black here. Yeah? Uh, that's what I love about black people. When they prophesy, they are loud, you know. They just And so he's busy prophesying like crazy over the nation of Rwanda. He just goes for it. Now, he's still a third-year student here from Tigerberg. This other guy with the suit, he's standing there. And the more Elton prophesies, the more I, I speak loud. He's prophesying because we're in the general assembly, you know. Nobody there, just this guy, and so prophesy, all that stuff. Eventually, make a long story short, we walk into a little room at the back, and this guy says, I used to be a Christian, but I want to commit my life to Christ. 
the guy with the suit. Walk in, pray with him, get in the car, next day fly out. Three years later, sitting in my living room, because the Lord says your prayers are going to change this nation. And we didn't know, we just went to pray, just on a mission for Jesus. And so <clears throat> putting on the TV my wife went with was our first holiday, a mission trip to Rwanda. And so um, I said, hey, come look here. Because there was Nelson Mandela and some other guys signing the new constitution for the nation of Rwanda. I said to her, this guy signing with him, Paul Kagani, is the guy we prayed for in that little room. He became the president of Rwanda. Please go and read the story of Rwanda. It's the greatest miracle in a nation's turnaround that any nation has seen. Rwanda, when you fly into Gagali now, is cleaner than any European country for Africa. Every second Saturday, they have a national cleanup day. Everybody stops, nobody works, everyone just cleans the nation and Can God change South Africa in a day? Because we have a hope of glory. But going into one of these places where all these corpses were, I'll never forget it. We're just walking there. We didn't have a fish on our head. And say, we want Jesus. We want Jesus. Can you tell us who Jesus is? And there I realized, like, in the darkest places, that's where the light of Christ shines. We didn't have a Bible. We didn't, like, Jesus saved t-shirt or anything like that. Because the testimony of Jesus bears witness to the power of Jesus. My brethren, you have the testimony of Jesus. If you are here tonight and you don't know him, then you need to get the testimony of Jesus. Because he's a person. He's the Lord. Will you stand with me? So I'm not saying tonight, go to Rwanda. No, go to Iran, Andre. Go to Iran. Okay, that's a word for you. But what I am saying to you is that what are you going to bear witness of, of what you have done? I think the question God the Father will ask every person, there's obviously going to, do you know, there's going to be two judgments one day. The one is a judgment between heaven and hell, saved or unsaved. It's very clear in scripture. You're not going to be able to make a decision once you've died. That's pantheism and there's a lot of people that say those stuff. But it's not true. The angels are here. I think somebody just switched off the wrong lights. But in any case, let's focus, let's focus. There's going to be a judgment between heaven and hell, and it's real. The only people that will make it in is not people that did good stuff for God or went to church or read through their Bibles 300 times. It's the people that would have been washed by the blood of Jesus. They're free. They're born again. They have a relationship. We're going to recognize him, and he's going to recognize us, not because... He's going to be a strange person out there, but because you've had a relationship with him all of your life. 
Jesus said, the way you know that you know him is by the fact that you've heard his voice. My sheep hear my voice. Not, Kirsten, has your pastor heard the voice of God? No, have you heard the voice of God? That's the barometer whether you have a relationship with him. And it's so amazing to hear his voice. It's so amazing to be used by God. And so that's how we start, being born again, the blood of Jesus. But then there's going to be a second judgment called the white throne judgment. And that's a judgment, almost like a bit of a reward system for believers. There, I believe God is going to ask each one of, a question, each one of us a question. What did you do with the testimony of Jesus and the blood of Jesus in your life? Did you just use it for your own gain? Did you just use it for your own prosperity? Your own happiness? Or did you become an ambassador for Christ? Did you become a worshiper that worshipped him with everything? Your life, your marriage, your relationship, your studies, your finances, everything in your life. Worship him. Worship God. stutter and couldn't speak in front of one person. So the fact that I'm I used to dread orals. I was normally absent at school when I had to oral. Mondaling. And the Lord says, you're going to talk in front of people. So I always think like, Lord, if you can use me, then you can use anybody here. Any people dreading oral? Speaking in front of people, raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you after. No, nobody wants to raise their hand. <laughs> but Lord says, hey, you're going to speak before people, and you're going to go to different nations. And you know what? What a testimony of Jesus, because you realize you have nothing to do with it. It's just him. He invites you to his story. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.